Welcome to your Marshall Pruitt podcast, the Week in IndyCar guest episode brought to you by Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com. You know who else it's brought by this week? A good, good friend, super pal of the show. We call him Ricky. Ricardo Juncos, now a co-owner of an IndyCar team. Uh, Juncos Hollinger Racing? Is it Hollinger or Hollinger? I don't know, Ricky, but we're going to learn stuff from you in your visit. How you doing, my friend? Hey, Marshall, how you doing? And thank you for having me here. And yes, uh, you I don't even know how to pronounce Hollinger or Hollinger, but uh, <laughs> so, yeah, so much going on on the last, uh, you know, few months, I will say, for Junko Racing. And, and now we are in this, uh, and like you said, right, co-owner. So many, many things new for me, but I'm very excited, you know, most likely, obviously, to be back in IndyCar, the way we're going to be doing now is, is great. Very challenge, of course, to put together in a quick time the IndyCar team, but uh, for sure, I'm extremely happy, you know. So why don't we start off by talking about this new partnership, and then by the time this goes up, news will have gone out about who's driving for uh, you and Brad at Portland. We'll see. We're not quite ready to talk about who will be driving at Laguna or Long Beach, but you're right in the middle of working on that while we're uh, recording here. So tell me about this relationship with Brad because for what you were able to achieve over three years in IndyCar, never with a big budget, struggling at times to uh, get the drivers that you really wanted in the car, you did your best with what you had, and then things went quiet. Leased a car to uh, Roger Penske, Beth Peretta, the Peretta Autosport entry this year at the Indy 500, and then I start hearing rumors that Ricky might be coming back and coming back with something good Tell me about how this deal with Brad started to come together because it's a big deal for you. Yeah, I mean, the relationship with Brad, uh, we met in 2017, actually, when we started the Indy 500 with Sebastian Saavedra and Spencer Pigot. Um, that was the only race we did. And, you know, another crazy hunk of racing thing. We decided to start in IndyCar with two cars in the Indy 500. But <laughs> I think that was the, yeah, we talked about it. That was the situation at that time. But since then, um, we met at that race with Brad and then, Pretty much for the next three years, um, we interact a little bit, but not much, um, because I didn't know at that time he was Williams F1, one of the owners, um, shareholders. So um, obviously he was super busy doing that. And when he sold it, all the shares and he was free from Formula One is when he called him back to us and started, you know, talking again. And obviously he was following us through all these years, right? So he was exactly knowing what we were doing, you know, championship in Indy Lights and jumping to IndyCar. Like you said, few races with different drivers, like 2018, we did 12 races with three different drivers. Obviously last minute deal, but that was the only way we can do it. So we were, like you said, right, do the best we can with the conditions that we have and the circumstances. Um, and then obviously 2019, the big story was when we, we, you know, we were with a white car. I remember having, having you ask me, how can be a white car? Every, every, every team or every sponsor has to be for every second at that track in front of the people with the logos and sponsors. And we have a white car because just a week before we lost it, right? The sponsor. Yeah. But also we were super fast Monday through Thursday, top nine, every session really alone and in traffic. So we're getting excited. Everybody knows the story. We crashed, destroyed the car and we barely made it to, to the Indy 500 starting on the 33rd place, but bumping Alonso and McLaren, everybody knows that that gives us even, maybe that magnifies everything that we were doing 
to the point that get a lot of attention. So what really happened to us in 2020, obviously we were big damaged by the pandemic like everybody else in the planet, but uh, we were about to sign something really big sponsor-wise, and then we decided just to, to stop and freeze everything because that opportunity fell. And we said, okay, you know what? Just keep quiet. We don't want to burn any bridges. We're gonna, we don't want to push any sponsor to do something one-off or we were not ready. And I think that was the smart, I think we did smart because we keep the relationship, we understood the situation. And like you mentioned, I was able to rent the car, which helped us a little bit on the financial aspect, you know, going through 2020 with only two Indy Pro cars. Imagine the situation inside home because it was, wasn't right and yeah. it was difficult. So at that moment, we were trying not to crash, right, the whole company. And in that moment is when Brad decided to start getting more serious involved and start talking to potential partnership and we start sharing our ideas and my goals and long term and getting deep understanding of how the team works and how is my philosophy, what is my way to work um, from many different aspects, not just, you know, on the, on, let's say on the marketing side, on the, the people side, how I treat my people, how we work on the poor sporting side, how sure. we do things on the race cars and and he really liked it. And and then he vice versa, he shared his point of view, his experience in Formula One, the way he see the future, the way he see now, you know, luckily for everybody, Roger Penske take over IndyCar and I think we are going in a great, great uh, directions going forward. Um, so everything started making clicks and making sense for him and myself. And here we are, we decide to partner. Um, and now we announce the back to IndyCar as a team. Um, we decide to do these three races um, as a preparation for 2022. Otherwise, it doesn't make no sense to do just three races, right? Um, so that's that's where we are. I think the, the difference, the big difference, I mean, two big difference, I will say for me, is now for the first time in my life, I have a partner, which I'm okay with that because we share we share pretty much the same values and the same ideas, which is really nice to to have that type, yeah. right? Um, but clearly now we're going back to IndyCar in a totally different way than we were before. So now we can we can be more predictable. We know we're racing from now until late 22 for sure. Um, the idea is to do one car properly. Um, the idea is to build, a, obviously, a, a brand new car, second car for the Indy 500. Um, we're going to start doing that now after the season is over. Um, obviously, we have a, a spare car every race which we didn't have that option before, right? Mm. Uh, we have some money to invest in development and, and make sure we use 22 uh, to start building up what, I, what is proper for me and to him. That means, you know, we had the magic formula by any means. And, and, you know, I always defend IndyCar's story, history and, and how difficult it is. And, and it's one of the, you know, the top in the planet and most old in the planet and racing against Penske, Ganassi, Rahal, you know, and, and everybody else is a challenge. And McLaren is coming, so everybody knows about that and how good they're doing. So it is a challenge, but um, we will have our way. We will have, I think, some time to to put the system in place, to put some, some of our way, our philosophy in place. Um, and looking how the future is going, right? So I think it's, it's, that's a, a little bit of the summary of what, happened, how I met him, and what happened is in the last five years since we started in Indy 500 in 17 until today, and what a little bit the, the short future 
of Hollinger Racing would look like, you know. I love it. I absolutely love it. Well, let's get to the first of our questions, and this will be a little bit of a, a rapid-fire episode today. But we've got Nathan DeRover, Ryan Terpstra, and about 9 million other people asking, Ricardo Junkos, who's going to be driving the uh, number 77 Chevy at Portland? And can we talk about the other races as well yet? Um, who you got, man, and why? So, yeah, we got a, a very young, talented driver, which is Callum Eilot, a British driver. Um, amazing that we can have someone like him because I think you can see during the last, I will say, few years in IndyCar, most likely this year with AeroScreen implementation, um, where all these drivers, new drivers coming and can perform. I think that there is opportunity now for young, talented that came over to IndyCar and performed because they had no precedence. I think the IndyCar changed a lot, the car itself, from the previous years. And I think probably the normal, really good fast drivers, but they're a little bit older and they have preconcept, they need to adapt to this new technology and a new car versus someone really talented. They don't have idea about it, but they, they can really, really be fast right away. So I'm excited for that part. But also, this is a kid that has been tremendously successful in all his career in motor racing but also being a test driver for Ferrari F1 team and be reserve driver for Alfa Romeo also in F1. And clearly, um, there's reasons why he, he's that driver. Um, clearly, we're talking about, you know, one of the most talented drivers today, currently in, in worldwide speaking, and have the chance to have him now for for Portland race is, is, is good for us. I'm very, very happy to have someone like him on board and, and look into... Like I said to him, for him will be a massive experience jumping to IndyCar, knowing the IndyCar as a category, knowing the car, new track for him, but it's a championship track for next year. So we're looking for option, obviously, for 22, but this is a great, great uh, deal that we put together for him, and I'm very excited. It's a great starting point. Let's stay here for just a sec, Ricky. Obviously, you are going to do everything in your power to have a vehicle that Callum can drive at Portland that will be highly competitive. The same time, it's been a little while since you've been on track. Team's been up to speed, been in the groove, raced using an arrow screen, etc. On top of this being Callum's debut, it feels a little bit like uh, almost a, a debut for you and the team, knowing that obviously IndyCar has evolved quite a bit over the last year or two. You tell us a little bit about that. I mean, what are your expectations for the weekend, and will you be upset if uh, you're not at the sharp end of the grid right away? Oh, I think you know. Look, um, it's doing this way, and don't do it at all, right? So, but it's what we always face in this challenge situation in the history of the team. So this is one more time, like we did the Indy 517. We decided to do the DPI program with, you know. My team for Daytona, we just shake down the car, boom, and now here we are at Daytona. We were one of the fastest Cadillac with Canapin on the wheel. Um, so I, I understand the challenge. I understand that we have a, a tremendous difficult situation right now, right? It's hard to put the team together, obviously, mid of the season. Imagine how hard it is to find the mechanics, the engineers, the, the crew chief. Um, and obviously, like you said, it's been two years since we ran. Everything changed. I think the screen changed completely everything. So nothing that we had before will work. And we know that. So right now, I have my engineers, as I'm speaking with you, they are already meeting on the, on the, on the room. They're trying to figure out starting setups and, and 
how we're going to interpret this aero screen on you know all this weight extra weight on top of the car um and we're going to try our best but the expectations are for me to be honest is more importantly to we are back we are back we know we race next year full time this is a starting point to start getting ready the team for next year so as long as we try to minimize the errors we minimize the mistakes on the pit, pit stops i hope we can have mistake free for the races and i hope the driver can finish the race i think that's the goal and regardless of the position regardless of the lap time we don't care about that to be honest because we'll be will be really wrong from me to think otherwise i believe you know and i respect everybody else i know like i said all the time this is indicar it's not easy um it's been teams there forever never mind naming them but for many 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 years and tremendous drivers as well so we don't have it easy right it's a very challenging situation for us um so to be honest is is we're going to take it this way we're going to go easy we're going to see what we can do uh, for for us and for the driver will be we need to go and learn as much as possible and that's the ultimate goal to be honest i love it let's see let's grab a f- couple of other questions ricky why don't we go with uh uh, well, first a uh, first of all, Jose uh, Polidral asks if you can help convince IndyCar to broadcast the uh, IndyCar races again in your uh, your home country of uh, Argentina. So I'm sure you have many uh, many friends and fans back home that would love that as well. Um, why don't we go to Tom Blackburn? Great question. He says, first of all, uh, Mr. Hunkos, congrats on getting the team back on the grid. He asks, do you feel there is increased momentum in the series? And he says, how is the series perceived now, today, when you're talking to sponsors, partners, even drivers, possibly, that might be different from just a few years ago? So it's another great point. You've never run a car in the NTT IndyCar series while it's been owned by Roger Penske. So curious about the difference, what you're seeing and feeling and receiving today. Um, yeah, I, I, obviously, there is a massive difference. I'm not sure if I can answer the reason why, but I believe it's, it's, it's a little bit different reasons, a lot of little bit different things that makes us, when you put all together, I think makes a big difference. Uh, clearly, the main one I will say is Roger taking over in the car. And clearly, it's a guy that success always in motor racing all his life. Um, clearly, he has a point of view and a philosophy uh, unique that works. No one can argue with that. So why it won't work? Right. So um, as far as I know, and all his ideas and he's very transparent as well. I remember the the first I went to the first meeting when he took over, but I, we never raised actually as a team, but I was there. Um, and then on 2020 and he was already different. Right. Uh, very transparent, very straightforward, clear ideas, not doubtings um, and ideas that make sense. So. Really, when you when you put common sense on the table, it's hard to argue with that, you know. So everybody just agree, and that, that's that's the way to go. Um, so I think that's that's one. The safety of the I think IndyCar is doing a good job on the safety areas, right? So the implementation of the aero screen and all that is is obviously a plus. You see drivers like Jimmy Johnson winning to to jump in the car and Grosjean and ex Formula One drivers jumping in and racing in ovals, which didn't happen before often because uh, you know some pushback from the, the safety, the risk of the oval. So I think IndyCar is doing a great job by doing what they're doing. That's a, maybe another small reason. And then, you know, who's the IndyCar competition? I think it's Formula One. In the other hand, Formula One is doing everything wrong or many things wrong, in my opinion. 
and never mind last weekend. So, you know, he's been doing this, you know, allowing these big budgets and big factories to dominate for year after years and and knowing, you know, who's going to be the champion and all that, which in IndyCar in the last, I will say, I don't know, you know better than me, Marshall, but how many years, no one can know who's going to be the champion, never mind who's going to win a race. So on the sports side, I think IndyCar is showing on the, the last 10 years, I will say, that big difference, which is found what, what they want to see. So also small teams can, can win, can be on the podium, not just Penske or Ganassi, right? So all the little things are, are in the favor now, I think, why, why IndyCar is, 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 is going good and way better. And we have, since we announced uh, Hunko's Holding a Racing, I will tell you that I not only have my phone exploded with drivers willing to race for us and, and open to, to discuss and talk, also mechanics, engineers from even Formula One teams. So this is clearly a massive momentum for IndyCar that I hope and I wish we, we, we and I know Roger is right uh, aware of this and take the advantage. And I'm very, very happy and very positive and optimistic of what the future looks for, for everybody involved, you know. Last little thing I'll add here, Ricky. So when you were last running regularly in the series in 2019, obviously the series was very interested trying to help support you however they could through media or, you know, whatever else. So not as if prior to Roger, IndyCar wasn't interested and invested. And, you know, Jay Fry, for example, was really, I know, the, uh, the leader in that regard. But I know for sure that today there is an even higher level of wanting you and Brad to be in the series, to succeed, to have um, Latin American team owner who's able to bring, again, more interest to the series. I mean, that has to be pretty cool as well, knowing that Roger Penske and his leadership group really truly view you as an asset and however they might be able to help you take the next step, they've said they want to, you know, again, with it, not like they would do something for you, they wouldn't do for others, but just maybe share a little bit about that, because I know this is a pretty cool thing, too. Yeah, uh, to be honest, uh, um, I feel good about it, but always, like, I will tell you that Jay Fry and Mark Miles, since even 2016, when I was dreaming about, you know, became a team owner and, and jumping in the car, are fantastic, fantastic with me. Always, you know, straightforward. I can call them anytime. And I think I cannot tell you how much, how many times I bother them with questions like, probably shouldn't be asking or, you know, but I always feel like I, 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 I have to. And, and they always were there to, to answer me all the time and help when they can. And I don't feel they do for me anything different than anybody else, right? So they, I think they are great people. They, are, they understand the whole thing. I think they open mind and they have a, a big picture always looking forward. Um, and now with Roger, the same thing. So um, I'm very happy. And like I was telling Roger, like 25, 30 years ago, I was in Argentina trying to survive with my small shop, raising my own car as I can, looking from the TV, all these guys, right? Um, for me to be here today in IndyCar as a team owner and talking, you know, with them, is, 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 I still don't believe it. So for me, it's like, wow, this is actually really happening. And it's, I'm so, you know, honored by, by, by the life, by the luck, but whatever. So for me, it's all this also happening. But I don't, I don't, um, 
And like you mentioned also, like from being from South America, Argentina in particular, which is a massive, massive uh, motor racing country and a lot of history behind. And never mind, you know, this year was the 50 years of Rafaela 300 with IndyCar were there. Yeah. Alan Senior won the race, right? And at Rafaela, Santa Fe, Argentina, 1971. And I guess I think that was the first time IndyCar went outside the U.S., um, um, to have that, and they call me and be part of all this, and I, I feel the the responsibility in some way to represent Argentina in a good way, and also try to you know broadcast and somehow promote IndyCar and all the IndyCar partners in Latin America as well is great. Um, and I'm look, I'm that guy. So it's just so many things that happened to me since I moved to this country that just continued happening and it's just it's obviously I'm, I'm happy it's challenging at the same time because I don't want to fail I want to continue I want to keep doing what I'm doing try to be super super transparent and honest and everything we do and and now we have the road to Indy also back to normal and and I think obviously this is going to affect the, in a good way by big time the road our road to Indy programs yeah so you know I'm, I'm happy Marshall I don't know what to say I don't know what what I mean if if, if, Your face uh, hurts my, from all the smiling. <laughs> I know that. I know this to be true. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, you know, I never, I don't even have proper answers on why and things and how I run my business. I don't even know. I just try to apply common sense to everything I do and just be honest and try our best. And when we make mistakes, there is only one thing you can do when you make a mistake. And it's just learn from this. And, and that's what I do, try to do. And that's how I try to teach my, my guys, you know. Well, let's uh, got three questions to go here, and we'll, we'll knock them out pretty quickly. Uh, Matias Sanchez, Lucas uh, Ferreira, I believe, uh, they're asking, could Jose Maria Lopez be one of your drivers? What about uh, Esteban Guerrieri, uh, Sasha Fenestras, uh, Marco Siebert? Seems like, Ricky, you're going to have a lot of uh, your countrymen or similar saying, hey, what about someone from the home team uh, in the car? Obviously, you're going to go for the best driver available. That's always going to be the goal here. But is there any kind of background desire that if you can advance an Argentinian driver or South American driver uh, testing or whatever else, is that anything that uh, you're hoping to do here in this new relationship? Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course, as an Argentinian, imagine will be will be a dream to put any Argentinian driver in the car. At the same time, I have to be realistic. I have to be uh, – I need to put my heart um, uh, outside – of the equation when I got to think about this because I don't want to, I, I, I cannot make a mistake and, and maybe I do, right? So it's, it's very delicate situation. Um, I have obviously great relation with all of these drivers. Uh, Jose Maria Pechito Lopez actually was here in Indy and, and visiting me last year. He just won the 24 hour Le Mans, the second driver in the history of Argentina after Jose Gonzalez um, that win 24 hours. But, you know, look, when, he even publicly said that he doesn't want to take this this challenge because the overall situation is 38 years old. I think it's time for things on life. He he obviously is grateful as well for what happened in his life as well. He get to do many, many things in motor racing, Formula One test driver when Alonso won with Renault in 2005. Um, so he's, he's happy anyway, right? So we need to be proud of what we do individually. Um, and then, yes, Guerrieri was here. Guerrieri was probably a driver that 
you know, try Europe and then came immediately to U.S. racing in the light. But that was 2011 and 2012, 10 years ago, right? Since then, he's not anymore in open wheel. Um, you know, as much as my heart wants to have someone like them, I had to be realistic and have to think for the best of the team and Mr. Brad Hollinger as well, which now is is my co-owner and my partner. Um, and then you mentioned Tibier and the other driver, but they choose Europe. So they never they never really came here. They never tried to talk to me or wrote to Indy, Indy Pro, Indy Light, which is massively important for this kid to understand street course and, and ovals. And, and one thing is to see Grosjean after 10 years Formula One performing good. But, you know, IndyCar is challenged. The ovals are challenged, you know. So I really want to give chances to people that, that you know, deserve properly. And, and like I said, you know, um, you never can make everybody happy. I know that. And now since I have this position or these opportunities, my, my phone is, is blowing and everybody expects me to to choose them, but uh, unfortunately, this is life, and you know I gotta think with my my brain before my heart. But to be honest, um, testing opportunity for sure can happen. I put uh, you know Agustin Canapino the DPI, and he has no experience at all in downforce cars and and you know carbon brakes, and he was the fastest Cadillac I remember in one of the practice even getting quickly than, than yeah, Fernando Alonso that, when that he was, was a in. surprise. Like, whoa, exactly. look at that. And I know, I know the talent and I know if we can have the proper time, properly time for the, to adapt these drivers on the physical condition, nutrition, and, and be in the car more, they can do a fantastic job. So I'm open. Look, I'm open. But uh, like I said, uh, as an Argentinian, I, I got to think as much as I don't like with my, my, my brain before my heart. And, and that's what I'm trying to do, you know? Let's go to a question about Road to Indy. Got a couple different items here. Uh, one person curious how uh, Brad Hollinger's involvement will help or if that will have any impact on uh, your Road to Indy program growing or whatever it might be. Got folks asking about Toby Sowery's departure. How might that change your lights program right now? And another asking about uh, Stingray Rob. Think he'll be back next year uh, and saying that, Love his approach to life and racing. So lots of interest on your championship-winning Road to Indy program as well. Yeah, so I think the Road to Indy is was challenging for us to go back in Indy Lights on terms and put the team together with people because I lost all my people in 2020 and there were other teams with you know, good budget behind that can support and keep the people employed, which I cannot. So clearly we were damaged big time on that and put a team together this year was challenged. But... Um, regarding Toby Sauer leaving us, um, I'm going to reserve my comments. Uh, I clearly do not like what he, his comments in social media because, um, you know, we win as a team, we lose as a team, and that's my philosophy. Um, we've been having some issues, some issues uh, with many things that I can, I'm not allowed to, to disclose publicly, unfortunately. But it's what it is. I'm going to leave it that way. Um, I think the program is really working good. We, in Indy Pro 2000, in the last four years, we won three championships, and the one we lost, what, by two points? We may lose this championship, but, look, we always focus on the driver development, and I think we're doing a really good job showing the world, like someone like Rhys Gold, 16 years old, coming to the team, and now he just won the first race. You clearly see the evolution. All the drivers that we took in our our eyes, with our eyes, are performing. So that's what I'm happy for, and if anything else, will be even better now that I have Brad Hollinger involved in the whole team. So I'm very, very happy to what the, the future will do for Hunko Racing in general speaking. 
Beautiful. Let's uh, let's go to the final question. Got a couple people asking, why aren't you going to be racing again in your spec Miata at Indianapolis? Folks, might, some folks might not know that you are indeed were a racer in open wheel and you've raced recently in your spec Miata. Folks want to see Ricky about the, back out there on track. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, uh, I miss a lot racing. So, yeah, the people probably doesn't know, but I raced Formula Renault 1400, 16,000, 1600, I mean, 2000 prototypes in Argentina. And then I raced here uh, two car races with a BMW, believe it or not, which I enjoyed a lot, and also the Spec Miata. Um, so, when I jump in the Spec Miata, um, uh, look, I raced in Formula Renault in Argentina against drivers that, like Norberto Fontana, get to Formula One. So coming for a very high level in Argentina, motor racing, in general speaking. So when I jumped to Spec Miata, <laughs> I was in shock how good the drivers are. Yes. Like you can be P40, P50, because you don't have probably the engine to be up front, and you're fighting for position with people that really know what they're doing. So on, I think it was 2018, I was able to do some, some races to qualify for the runoff. And I did. So I did in Indianapolis 500. So, I mean, I did in the IMS get the chance to race, which is an amazing experience. And then I couldn't do it anymore. Marshall, obviously, 2020 was crazy. This year I was flat out. So the car is ready to go. I'm not ready yet. But I also have some opportunity to, to test uh, pickup trucks in TC in Argentina as well. What? They invite me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to make a test as soon as I can. But, I mean, I'm happy to... To have these opportunities but like i said you know always my my main focus is in the main business i will never um as much as i would love to be in the car if i had to be working i just gonna be in my desk working and i only gonna do my racing whenever i have absolutely free time and i want to enjoy you know and if i have something serious going on in the business even if i have a free weekend i'm racing if my mind is not there i won't enjoy it too so um, but yes, yes, I'm so I'm rusty now, so I don't know when I come back on the, in the wheels. Well, we'll close this with a little funny loop. So when I quote retired from working in IndyCar racing as a crew member at the end of the 2001 season, uh, focused trying to have a real normal life at home, blah blah blah. And one of the things that I started doing, just on a local SCCA level at Sears Point, Laguna Seca, and so on was uh, a lot of driver coaching and running some cars and some of those actually many of those were in spec miata and one of the my driver coaching clients is a gentleman by the name of david k who ended up becoming one of your sponsors in 2019 with his dbk and associates which i think was on the nose of the car so if you want to talk a weird six degrees of separation based around friends and spec miatas uh (laughs) my old spec miata coaching pal david k ended up becoming one of your sponsors for the 500 so we got to get you back i'll be your coach i'll be your mechanic whatever you need ricky i'm there (laughs) to uh bust some knuckles See, nice, nice. I didn't know that. So see how life is, right? It's uh, always turns around and, and it's a small, small world at the end of the day. So, yeah, but, you know, look, um, I'm extremely happy. And I always say this to people, right? Uh, when you have your passion and you make your living doing what you love to do, what else you can ask, to be honest? And I think that's what I feel even after 2020, when we leave, we, we learn a lot of lessons, right, as a human being. And I cannot tell you how many friends that I lost because COVID, um, young people and actually in fact Agustin Canapinos Alberto's Agustin's father good friend he just died 
you know, um, three, four months ago by COVID. And when that punch you in the face like that life, more than ever that we need to make sure we do things right with passion and we got to enjoy and, and be transparent and honest because life is like this. Today we are here, tomorrow we are not. So what's, otherwise what's the point, right? So that's, that's, that's my, always was my way. But I think now after the lesson that we, we all get uh, with this crazy pandemic situation i think we more than ever i believe this way so look i'm very happy and i you know a lot of good things for hunko racing going forward for sure right amen ricky always appreciate you taking some time so happy for you cannot wait to see callum in a car with you knowing that uh, he's so highly recommended from some mutual friends glad you two uh, got together got a deal done and Again, cannot wait for uh, Hunko's Hollinger Racing. And we're going to get Brad to confirm how to pronounce his last name because you should know and I should know and the rest <laughs> of us should know. So anyways, look forward to seeing you here shortly in Portland, brother. Yeah, thank you once again, Marshall. It's a pleasure to be with you and always, obviously, you're a big fan as well. And thank you, everybody, also the, the, the audience as well. Thank you so much. 